This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Spickard from San Diego, California. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Monday, July 29th, episode 2235. Good Lord. This episode is brought to you by Omega Alpha Equine. Good morning, Horse World. It's Monday. Monday is my favorite time of This is Horses in the Morning with your lovable hosts, Jamie Jennings. I am the queen. You listen to me. I'm sorry that people are so jealous of me, but I can't help it that I'm popular. Glenn the Geek. You look especially radiant today, your grace. I'm going to do a terrific show today because I'm good enough and doggone it, people like me. Happy Monday. On today's show, as you've just heard, we have longtime friend of the show, Sally Spickard, filling in as Jamie's co-host today. It's a girl party. Girl party. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about the Battle of the Flags in Santa Fe with show manager John McQueen. Sally shares a cute story from young riders from over the weekend. And Jamie highlights an interview from episode 12 of Retired Racehorse Radio with one of the most successful racing jockeys, Lafitte Pinquet Jr. And also brings us the latest edition of a question first world problems. We've all got them, horses or not. (laughs) And that's what's on today's show. Well, fantastic. And yeah, I got to sit down with Lafitte. Uh, and Monty Roberts in his home, Sally in California. It was the most, were you just like, so mind blown by that? Well, I'm, you know, you try to be professional and I'm, I'm sitting there very composed and I'm holding my recorder and I'm asking <laughs> questions and inside I'm going, Oh my God, we got to win the yeah. <laughs> You have your like serious poker face on professional. I am a journalist and <sighs> I will portray myself. Oh my so yeah you do a little bit of that for sure Uh, um, but yeah so Sally thank you so much for waking up super early on the west coast and joining us I appreciate it I'll bill you for my coffee (laughs) how is life out in uh, San Diego Diego. it's It's San Diego it's um yeah no it's really good it's um not too hot and I'm staying busy so there's uh not a whole lot of exciting things going on, but I I definitely don't think that I would want to be living anywhere else during the summer. So God bless, isn't that the truth? You can't afford a cup of coffee, but by God, no, yes, you can find I, one you know, on the ground. It's really never good. had less money, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Now, are you prepared with your daily winnie? I am. So I had a really interesting weekend in the sense that I, so yesterday I um, had to help my friend move in with me because she's a little bit homeless for about a month because she works, um, she's a groom for a jumper rider out here. She lives and she's in San Diego. <laughs> yes, she lives <laughs> in San Diego. Um, so she uh, she's on the road a lot. And so she's moving in with me um, before we move into a new apartment in a couple months because she, um, her lease was up and anyway, long story short. And, um, I had gone to brunch earlier in the day and had a couple mimosas. And then I came home <laughs> and I had a couple hours before I had to go meet her. And I forgot to change. I had like this cute, like, you know, jean shorts and a little crop t-shirt and then like flip flops on. And I forgot to change because I wasn't thinking. So I just went out and got in my truck and went to drive to go get her. Everything's totally fine, but we come back to the house And we are climbing. I have like five stairs to get up into my little row of townhouses. Um, And where I wasn't even carrying anything. This is the worst part about the story is I wasn't even like lifting anything heavy. I was carrying takeout food. (laughs) And I went to go up the stairs and I just like missed the stair. And I what but what happened was I was swinging my foot forward like to take a step. But I hit 
the front of the step with my toe. And so, but it was with the full force of like taking a real step. So I stubbed my toe and I remember I was in flip-flops, stubbed my toe so hard. I was like in tears. And then I, I was too afraid, you know, when you hurt yourself and you're too afraid to look down. Cause you're like yeah. that, the way that it's that gonna hurt, be gone. I mean, surely yeah, my whole foot's going to be gone. Um, and it wasn't that bad, but I looked down and like, you could see, I have a pedicure. So you, underneath the toe polish, you could see like the the bruising and like the crack in the toe, but the toe polish, like, cause I had cracked my toenail. And so I, uh, so thank God my daily Winnie is for long story shorts for my friend Jaden, who is moving in with me. And she took her turn to take care of me because my toenail is literally cracked. Like we had to super glue it because let me, to try and let me save stop it. you. First of all, what happened to the food? The food. The food okay, okay. So the, I was getting, so the food went flying, but I leaned forward enough that it kind of like opened the box, but the box flap kind of saved the food. So it didn't actually land on the ground. Okay, so I was so able to like scoop it. Yeah, no, the food's safe. My toe <laughs> is not safe. Okay. Now here's a, there's a segment that we do on Mondays uh, called equestrian first world problems. Oh. And I would like to maybe if we can, Jimmy, just cut out her saying I was dressed cute walking up the steps and I cracked my pedicure toe. Okay. Like that oh will translate to our segment later. <laughs> All right. Daily winning number two. Okay. And I'm sure you can weigh in on this, uh, Sally, because everybody, we need to have a, let's have a collective moment of silence for Mark Todd because he is retiring from eventing again. And he says this time it's for good moment of silence. Okay. Sir Mark Todd is retiring from eventing. He's one of my favorite people to watch. So, um, do, do you have any comment about this? I, I guess it's time, but, uh, I love you watching. know, Mark Todd is one of those people who inspires you because how many other people can you say almost didn't get let into the Olympic athlete village because they wouldn't believe that he was an athlete because he <laughs> was one of the oldest people, if not the oldest athlete there. I mean, how crazy is that? That yeah. if that doesn't make you feel like you can't accomplish something on your own timeline, I mean, that's, that's always been my favorite Mark Todd story. And, yeah. um, you know, I just, it's probably not his favorite story, but it's <laughs> no, very I'm in the Olympics. It's true. I'm in it. No old senile man to walk away. Give us yeah. that pass. Who'd you steal that from? <laughs> you this is the Mark that. Todd who won back-to-back -back Olympic titles, won back-to-back -back Olympic titles on Little Charisma. And if you haven't seen the YouTube collection of Charisma videos, we have to find it and post it because, I mean, it's, he's like the greatest of all time. Uh, but now he's, he actually trains racehorses too. So that's what yeah, he's going to go that. back to do. 63 years old, greatest eventer of all time. He can't retire. He's just going to go work somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. It's those, those type of people, especially when you're that passionate and that good with horses. Cause I've heard amazing things about his racing program too. So you got to figure he's never going to be fully out of it. So, oh, so again, Mark Todd retiring from eventing won't be the same. <sighs> okay, <clears throat> let's move past this. What are you doing with your days there, Sally? You know, so I've been doing something really exciting. I recently started working with HylaFit. I don't know if you're familiar with them at all. I have heard them and I heard their name mentioned a million times at Land Rover. What is it? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we did a big thing at Land Rover with a bunch of demos. So, HylaFit's actually a heart monitor um, and it's designed, there's a transmitter for horses and for riders and it's um, all wireless. It just uses a Bluetooth connection to your phone to transmit the heart rate data and then it does a really cool, um, HylaFit has their own app that you subscribe to and it that's where all of your ride data is collected. So, it's a really cool thing to use for training. Um, it's good for fitness. But the biggest thing for HyloFit that I've really saw, um, I've seen as a benefit is that from a well-being standpoint, it's really nice to have a full picture of your horse's heart rate, right? So, you know, Jamie, you know, you do a lot of work on the ground with your horses. Um, I'm sure some of them do naughty things every now and then. And so it's interesting to see, you know, in real time is kind of the, the thing that HyloFit is known for because it uses the app to report your heart rate data in real time. So you can really so see it, your 
your horse you reacting. You can kind of see it as it's happening then? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like if they're spooking, you can actually see if they're actually, if their heart rate is elevated and it's racing and they're actually anxious or if it's totally normal and they're freaking out externally and then you're like, okay, well, you are a total faker. <laughs> you know what would be interesting to see with this heart rate monitor <clears throat> is working with the gently, well, gently the Mustangs. Yeah, it'd be so interesting to see just how things you do, how they affect your horse's heart rate. Uh, and again, right. your horse, I, I don't know. How do you put them on? Because putting it on a wild horse might be the challenge. <laughs> a little bit challenging, right? So it's just a little girth attachment and it basically slides underneath a girth, a surcingle. So it does have to have something that kind of holds it up against like gotcha. underneath the horse's left elbow area so it can get a good read. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's designed to work with a lot of different pieces of tack. Um, it was actually designed by a dressage rider, which a lot of people think it was an eventing born type of project, but it actually was a dressage rider who had a horse who was injured. Um, and obviously an elevated heart rate, resting heart rate can show injury or pain or anything like that. So she wanted to find something that would help her from that angle. Um, so we designed it to work for a lot of people and we've seen a lot of people on the eventing side and the endurance side actually that have used and seen a lot of benefit from it. So it's a really cool little device. Yeah. I mean, I used a heart rate monitor, not quite as sciencey as that one. So when, when I was trying to get my horses fit for an endurance race and you want it cause you want to keep their heart rate at a certain level for a certain amount of time. But being in Arizona, mm-hmm. as you know, it gets really hot and you worry yeah. about overdoing it and you don't want to yeah. underdo it because you need the fitness level. That's awesome. So where can people yeah. go find out more about it? Yeah. So you can go to hylofit.com. It's H Y L O F I T.com. And you can learn all about the system and all of its benefits and how it works there. Well, uh, back to, I wanted to get back to your daily, Wendy, because I just wanted to let you know that there are many dumb ways that we hurt ourselves. And (laughs) I I would love to hear how our listeners hurt themselves in dumb ways, but I just got this barn built, (laughs) Sally, and it's, uh, I put a tack room in it, but for some reason, the tack room door doesn't like slide open and slide closed. It's like, you kind of have to push it. But uh, I forget that. And in the morning when I go out to open, the t- it's a tack room slash feed room. I go to open the door. It, y- you have to give it like an extra push or like nudge it with your foot. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I never remember that first thing in the morning. And I always walk in and I, I say I never, I, twice this has happened. And one was yesterday. And you go to open the door and, and you know that your body is walking forward your hand reaches out to turn the knob on the door and you expect the door to open. Yeah. And when it doesn't, your body, I just hit my head. <laughs> your on body the door. keeps going, right? Your body keeps yeah. going. And yep. I, I mean, swear to you, boom, my head. Isn't hits that the, the door. worst way to start your morning? Cause I just get like rage when that happens. Cause I'm just like, God, why did that just happen? I knew that. I'm like, I'm going to call this contractor back and he's going to fix this door. <laughs> I cannot believe that I just paid somebody for a brand new door and I hit it with my head to get it open. How ridiculous. Right. But then like, you really should just get mad at yourself because it's like, why can't I remember that I just need yeah. to slow down? And no, open the door. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is we're living in this like little 800 square foot home. And bless its heart, it did have a dishwasher um, from about, I think it was made in 1972. And the the dishwasher, the house is from the 50s. So they upgraded an appliance. (laughs) But the problem is the kitchen is so small that when you put the dishwasher door down, it goes, it, it blocks the entrance between the kitchen table and the way to walk through. So if the dishwasher is down, you can't get through until you put the dishwasher up. To get into the kitchen to the fridge or something. And I don't understand why my husband cannot remember that because I always put it up because I have to walk through. I don't walk through a million times a day. And no, he'll leave the dishwasher down. And oh my God, is there a pain worse than the dishwasher hitting your shin at like full force? (laughs) Mine blocks my kitchen too. But okay, I just want to ask why he leaves it down. Is it like he finishes loading or unloading it and then he just walks away? I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, first world problem, my husband actually helps me with the dishes when I, no, I cook yeah, and he cleans. That's, it's that's great. great. And I hate yeah. to complain, you know, and to, and get that taken away. You know, he just loads it and like leaves. And, and doesn't just close the door. Doesn't close it. Okay. I'm like, you had that's to step funny. over it to get out right. of the kitchen. <laughs> Why can you not put it up? I don't understand. I have a lot of questions here. <laughs> the other, the I other. 
stupid thing he does is bless his heart. But I can't complain about it. Is that he'll put the he'll do laundry and he'll just put it in the dishwasher in the in the washing machine. Mm. And then never yeah. let me know that maybe there's a load in the washing machine, and then it yeah, gets and then you moldy. have to rewash it. Ah. It gets yeah, that's the best. Oh god! Yeah. By the way, mine will do dishes, but he'll he will not put them in the dishwasher. Even though the dishwasher is empty, he'll just like rinse off the dish and then put it in the sink. And I'm like, the dishwasher. Put it in the dishwasher! <laughs> <laughs> I know, I get it. Dude. Like, I'm sorry, I thought I was helping. I'm like, you're not. You're not helpful. <laughs> and if my shin bleeds again, my God, there's going to be hell to pay. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, um, we got to sit down and talk to John McQueen, the show manager at, I'll pronounce it correctly in just a minute with him uh, in Santa Fe. But first, let's hear from our title sponsor, Omega Alpha. Wait, before we do, I just have to jump in here because you didn't ask me how, what the stupid way that I hurt myself. And I oh, my. Throw it out there. Real quick, I hurt my, I broke my toe crossing the room to turn off the air conditioning. Oh, no, <laughs> you did it. Oh, my me. God. And I'll just leave you with that. Here's a Vega LV equal. No, 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 no. <laughs> you can't just run away like that and not tell us the story. <laughs> really, that's the story. <laughs> the AC came on. It was going to hit my, the dinner that I just sat down to eat and it was steaming hot and I didn't want it to get cold. So I was rushing across the room to shut it off and I forgot that I had moved my very heavy ottoman about an inch and, uh, oh, yeah, my God, little toe cracked right into it. And, um, I immediately knew it was broken and then I had to set it myself. And so I reset my toe and then screamed like a, you know, oh, okay, it's TMI. See, I didn't need all that. It's cool. You should stop. <laughs> you asked me to keep going. I told you. I did not. Oh my gosh. I and, can't. And with that, here's a commercial on Joint Health. <laughs> Omega Alpha. Thank you. I'm connected to the shoulder bone. The shoulder bone connected to the leg bone. The leg bone connected to the foot bone. The leg bone connected to the foot bone is a humorous reminder of how things are connected and dependent upon each other. But all humor aside, the health of your horse's muscles and bones are key to his overall health and performance. At Omega Alpha Equine, they know just how important your horse's entire musculoskeletal system is to his health and happiness. So they offer a variety of different all-natural liquid supplements. Omega Alpha Equine, all-natural supplements based on science to help all of your horse's connected parts stay healthy and perform at their best. Ask for Omega Alpha Equine supplements at your local tack and feed supplier, or you can visit them online at OmegaAlphaEquine.com. Well, I'd like to welcome John McQueen, the show manager of the Santa Fe. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Is it Hippico Santa Fe? It's Hippico Santa Fe. Hippico. I think uh, I see, I was going to say Hippico. I think yeah. I went that one. Y'all are West Coast yeah. now, so. <laughs> <laughs> so Hippico Santa Fe, tell us what that is. Hippico Santa Fe is a four-week series of hunter-jumper shows that Hippico produces here in the area. We draw exhibitors from all over the United States, and we attempt to have the most fun for four weeks that any group of people can muster. <laughs> That's challenging. It's pretty good. Yes, it is. So what type of stuff do you guys do at this hunter jumper show just to make it a little more fun than a, a normal hunter jumper show? Well, our VIP experience, I think is better than 90% of the VIP experience across the country. Uh, the staff is a, about as warm and caring and these people are spending a lot of money to horse show with us and we know that and we acknowledge that okay you're having trouble doing this let me help you fix it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and a lot of places you go it's hey that's your problem fix it you're yourself yeah. uh, but here i mean and the city is so welcoming it's funny because as these exhibitors go out to dinner and go shopping, the local folks are like, what brought you to town? The horse show. Oh, my goodness. We're so glad you're here. So they get it from 
one into the other and how welcome they are and they love it. I find that everybody in Santa Fe is just happy because they live in Santa Fe. <laughs> I've never been. And I, I would really totally cool. agree with you. <laughs> and what's so fun is when we bring these folks from other parts of the country, they say the exact same thing and they're happy to be in Santa Fe for the period of time they're going to be here. Well, not only do you, are you the show manager, John, you should work for the board of tourism for Santa Fe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have time in my schedule. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about battle of the flags, because that's kind of the, the, the theme of what we wanted to talk to you about today. Perfect. Battle of the flags came about as a total accident. Uh, one of the exhibitors came through and said, wouldn't it be cool if we could put teams together and whoever team won their flag hung there? And I was part of the conversation. And I said, let me go put that together. And they looked at me and I ran to the office and put together the specs of the class and came back and handed it out. And it took off like wildfire. We had teams from Colorado, California, Utah, New Mexico, and one other, Texas. Texas, yeah. And yeah, Texas was huge. They went out and bought uniforms. <laughs> In fact, everybody sort of jumped over the fence and they bought uniforms, they bought flags, they bought pom oh <laughs> anything you can imagine. And it's teams of four and they jump around a course of jumps. If they have a clear round, their team gets a point. If they knock a rail down or have a stop, that's considered fault. No points. And as the teams progress, those teams that came at the end, and we only had two at the end, New Mexico and Texas, will actually jump off for the right of the flag. And last year, New Mexico's team won by barely a second. Wow. Wow. But the... People involved in the tent, every time there was a clear round, whatever state was represented, people would surge out onto the field with the state flag and cheer and wave and carry on and then surge back inside so the next rider could come out. Well, good <laughs> Lord, my horse would be in Texas at the end of something right. like that. <laughs> good bomb proofing, yeah, I guess, not, for the horses. Not for the faint of heart. <laughs> not for the faint of heart. <laughs> so this event, it's coming up, and it is basically whoever, whatever state wins, y'all have to fly their flag on the top of your Grand Prix arena for the entire year until next year's show. That is correct. They get bragging rights, and the only flagpole in the Grand Prix field that's taller than that flagpole is the one that flies the American flag. Of course. Of course. Absolutely. Well, cool. When is it this, uh, this year? It will be Saturday of week four. Saturday of week will be four. two weeks from now. Gotcha. So with the, the competition, the whole entire Hippico Santa Fe runs from when to when? Uh, we run from like the 17th of July to the 12th or 13th of August. All right. So you're in the middle of it right now. Well, where, what website can people go to to find out more? Uh, HippicoSantaFe.com. HippicoSantaFe.com. Wonderful. John, thank you so much and good luck. And um, I, you know, living in Arizona for 10 years, hopefully you get an Arizona team and they No, win. I'm going for California. California flag <laughs> all the way. Y'all come out and join us and root for your team. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great right. day. Thank you. Bye. She talks about him, dreams about him, thinks about him all the time. She's got to have him, be lost without him. You can see it in her eyes. What is it? What is it with girls and horses? She says, 
Now when I was a young girl They were my whole world They were my one safe place And now that I'm older Still lean on their shoulders I still feel like that girl some days What is it? What is it with girls and horses? dream about them I live to love them and I love to ride I'll always have them be lost without them. there's magic in those gentle eyes what is it what is it with girls and horses Templeton Thompson, Girls and Horses. And I wanted to play that because I feel like it's just going to be a week of all girls because Glenn is out of town. Whoop, whoop. So basically, Sally and Jemmy, we are running the Horse Radio Network right now. How do it's you feel? official because he actually sent out an email saying that. He said, yeah. we're in charge. So we're in charge. <laughs> Party! Full creative license here. I think this is better, honestly, Glenn. Come on. <laughs> All right, guys. So tell me the truth. What do you really think about Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> how much time do you have? Yeah. I'm about to have right? a lot more because I feel like I'm going to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> Let's we'll start our own. It's fine. <laughs> I have some equestrian first world problems. But first, I just wanted to talk. The Young Riders was this past weekend, and it was up in uh, Montana. And uh, Sally, t- to explain what Young Riders is to people that don't know, to Jimmy. So the Junior Olympics, and they have a Young Rider Championship. Um, I guess they call it the Youth Championship now for all three major disciplines on the English side. So you got dressage, show jumping, and eventing. And um, they used to all be in one place, but they, they've now spread it out a little bit to different show venues. And the eventing is now at the event at Rebecca Farm, which is in Kalispell, Montana. Um, I'm sure some of our listeners either live there or have been there, but if you have not been to Kalispell, you have got to go. It is one of the most beautiful places on earth that I've ever seen in my life. I've only been once, but I have always wanted to go back. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, they had, um, the young rider championship. So each area from around the country, if uh, granted, uh, you know, they have to have enough qualified riders, which sometimes is challenging for the smaller areas, but they, um, they have to send teams and it's kind of done in like an Olympic format where they have a drop score and all of that. And they kind of go for the gold. So it's really cool. You get to see a lot of the up and coming talent, um, kind of showing off their stuff. And uh, now what was really cool is that, or to me, that Jordan Crabo competed and she is in Arizona and her mom, Barb Crabo, was my coach in Arizona. And I remember Jordan started competing on this little tiny, like POA pony named chocolate chip. And half the time would get bucked off between like, you know, fence two or fence three, <laughs> or the horse would just turn around and run home. <laughs> yep. cross country course. Isn't that the best way to learn though? I mean, uh, really? <laughs> well, it must be because she's out there competing, uh, at young riders this weekend. And, and yeah. it was just, uh, 
was fifth after dressage. I think she had to pull up on cross country on one of the yeah. horses. But, um, it was just but awesome yeah, to see it. It there. was awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Taylor McFall, who was, um, she's Jen McFall, is a former four-star rider, or current four-star rider. Um, and Ch- Taylor McFall competed on her mom's horse. So that was cool. And then um, there is this one kid. I got to give him a shout out. And this is such a cute story because, you know, I guess it's really not even that cute so much as it makes me feel old. But so a few years ago, I was in, I, I was a photographer. And I, you know, I'm from St. Louis and um, we have one event in St. Louis every year. And it's like the most, you know, kind of local type of event that you could have. And it's everybody likes to support it. Yeah, very grassroots. And so, um, you know, I was the show photographer for this event a couple years ago or a few years ago. And this kid came in for his dressage test. And, you know, I've been shooting dressage all day and it was just now getting into the starter division. So, you know, the dressage was really thrilling to watch. Um, and this little kid comes in on his teeny tiny. Well, I don't even think she was that small. It was a pony. Tiny kid does his little starter test, has the biggest grin on his face. He had to have been like seven or eight at the time. And I have always remembered that photo that I took because he has this little kid grin, like this little boy grin. And it's so cute. Well, that little kid, the next year I competed against him in Kansas City in the starter division. And I um, was talking to him and he was very like well-spoken and eloquent and just very like serious about his writing. And I'm like, you are like a serious little kid. So I did a little story for Eventing Nation on him and his sister, who actually also rides. Um, And, you know, they were, again, very young. And I just did this sibling rivalry type of story. And um, so long story short, his dad, his parents were very supportive. And they helped both him and his sister move to Virginia to ride with the O'Connors, which that's, you know, David and Karen O'Connor are legends in the sport. And um, so the kid's name is Ben Noonan. And he just got third in the Young Riders um, he got the bronze medal. So I just, the, the watching the kids grow up and watching them like flourish. And, and I just remember this little kid on the little pony with that little grin on his face. And I'm just, it's just so inspiring awesome. to see those kids grow up and do that. So it was a cool story. It was a cool weekend. I was actually watching the live stream and I uh, was making a list of stories that I wanted to write. I think I got about seven on my list right now. So <laughs> lots of good storylines coming out of there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, gosh, to see that and to see that progress. And then, I mean, imagine watching your daughter grow up and do that too. Young writers is just always full of great stories because they're definitely, I mean, this is some substantial stuff and these kids work really hard. So I'm sure though that every one of these children has an equestrian first world problem. Now, remember, if you have an equestrian problem, it is a first world problem. Let's be honest and be fair with each other. Um, But these are actual real problems that are submitted by our listeners, our auditors, actually, on the auditor Facebook page. So if you want to submit them, become an auditor. It's easy. Horseradionetwork.com will have the information or just email it to me if you're that uh, you have to get it going. So anyway. Let's start with one that actually came in last week uh, under the wire. And I don't usually look at last week's, but I thought this one was so funny. Serenity posted that her daughter is three years old. And, you know, it's so frustrating all winter long. Everybody complained about the winter and and then it was raining all spring and everybody was complaining about the rain. And her three-year-old daughter apparently looked out the window and she said, and I quote, Mommy, I want to look out that window. But it's too sunny. (laughs) Three years old. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's adorable. Um, Well, we got another one from Hillary here. And she said, Yeah, by the way, Sally, Sally's going to help me read these, but you have to say it like super whiny or however you feel like the person (laughs) is saying it. You just read it. Like these are true (sighs) heartfelt complaints about the world. True first world problems. All right. So Hillary says, I really want to ride in a Boyd Martin clinic on Labor Day, but my friends want to go to Atlantic City that same weekend and I don't have enough time for both. Oh, God. Boyd Martin vacation. Oh, (laughs) bad. Cecilia says, buying a house is so obnoxious, expensive, and time-consuming, and it means I won't have to pay board anymore and ride my horses anymore. I'm not complaining. 
I just don't like the process. So basically she's buying a house and she can keep her horses in her backyard. I don't know why that it's any sort of first world problem. I guess buying the house is a pain. But other than that, <laughs> congratulations, Cecilia. That's amazing. Um, Kara, Kara, this is this is a good one from Kara. She yeah, says, okay. I have two, two, count them, engagement rings. But I can't wear the big flashy one because I work with horses. <laughs> Do you know, um, for about 10 years, I did not wear any ring on my left finger, uh, left hand. because And until and so I would go out to dinner with Chad. And he always wears his wedding ring. And then I would go out with nothing. And oh, he so you look like the other lady then. Uh-huh. We always like, <laughs> I was like, look at that hussy over there at that table with that man. <laughs> yeah, what is she doing? And then we've got a kid with them and like, wow, they're really stepping out. So, um, basically I went on Amazon and bought, because if we started talking about getting tattoos, I'm like, we'll just get mm, tattoo yeah. rings. And that he was like, did that. yeah, he's like, Oh, that'd be great. You should do that. I was like, Oh <laughs> hell no, I am not doing that alone. So I uh, compromised. I went on Amazon and I bought like a 10 pack of silicone rings. for Yeah. Like eight bucks. I've so, seen those. They look kind of cool for people that work outside. So yeah, I just, and you know what? I've lost one already in a pool, you know, and then like, mm-hmm. Oh, there it goes. Okay. Who cares? I mean, it was like yeah. 12 cents. Um, okay. Then Leslie says, my brother-in-law bought a hay farm and bought a small square baler just for me. And he put up some wonderful alfalfa and gave me some amazing second cutting bales. But now I have to unload them and stack them in my barn and it's so much work. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel you, girl. I feel you. Actually, when we were doing the hay in the back, guys like, yeah, we can do some square bales. But you're going to have to go out there and pick them all up and stack them and load them. And I was like, oh. Ooh. That sounds like that sucks. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like something I would not prefer to do. Thank I you. Would, that sounds terrible. <laughs> so uh, Colleen says, I don't have enough time to ride my horses because I'm too busy playing with my new puppy. Oh, my God. It's so cute. She posts a picture. It's a little black lab thing that's cute. looking at her. And oh, it's, it's ridiculous. really cute. Carrie says, I use my friend's total saddle fit stability stirrup leathers, but now I need some and I don't have the money right now. Girl, it don't matter. You, you sell some blood, you sell some plasma and get yourself some of those because <laughs> they you do what really, you need to. You do what you need to do, girl. We, we're not going to judge. Just get it done. No judgment. <laughs> judgment free zone. It's, uh, uh, Jessica. Yeah, go ahead. Jessica, her she's having a real problem though. Okay, you ready? Really sad. Jessica's just... saddle is growing mold, and now she has to clean it after every time she uses it. She says the humidity is ridiculous, and I hate cleaning tack. I mean, I feel you, girl. I'm not a I'm not a big fan of the the cleaning tack, but that but my saddle so doesn't have mold on it either. Sad. I mean, <laughs> I just think you need to ride just kidding, more. Jessica. Just ride yeah. More. <laughs> Just sit on it and gig. it'll just get on your pants. You can wash those. Um, April says, we sprayed the pasture for weeds and now they're all dying. But my green pasture now has yucky brown spots in it. <laughs> those are called weeds. And even though yeah. it was green, it was not <laughs> something that was good. So that'll just give the green more time to take over. <laughs> I feel you, April. We so I have, I'm going to add my own here because, okay. you know, when, you know, I'm an inventor, right? And inventors are like color obsessed. And I got to tell you that every single Navy thing in the world, you could buy all of it and it would not be the same shade of Navy. I didn't oh. say that whiny enough, but you know, like yeah, you I buy a that. Navy saddle pad and then I buy a Navy bonnet and they are not the same shade of blue. That is the worst. It. That is it literally is the, the worst. worst. That is literally the worst. Oh, my God. Okay. So, TJ says, by the way, how's your pedicure? Whiny. Oh, you know, I, it's fine. But the, the big toe one is now missing because it's uh, my toenail is cracked in half. So. My toe, it messed up my, my, my toe. Okay, oh, but it really hurt. Diego. I'm going to send you the picture because it is not pretty. Let me tell you something. Don't you send that. I'm not going to look at it. <laughs> Don't waste your time. <laughs> I've heard enough about toes today. Thank you. <laughs> um, TJ says, my new friends from the equine wine trail ride. Where do I sign up for an equine 
equine wine. That's really hard to say. Trail ride. Uh, they call me a know. bee because I rode my horse around bareback with a halter and lead rope. Um, yeah. Because you were drunk. That's why you did that. <laughs> Uh, Stephanie also says that uh, she's moving her horse again and it's so hard to find a great <laughs> barn to like take care of your horse all the time. <laughs> she actually, it's, it's, uh, Stephanie has a stall cam in her horse's stall so she can watch him when she's not there. Oh man. There you go. That's what you need. Oh, she says she already took down the stall cam and she's going crazy not being able to stalk him. I mean, yeah, they're probably not oh. feeding him. You should freak out. <laughs> He might be cast in his stall right now and his water buckets are empty. You need to drive out there. It's like six hours from her. So go girl. <laughs> this is why I don't sleep at night. The, those thoughts. I'm like, Oh my God, right. <laughs> the waters aren't working. My horse is cast and I'm, there's not enough bedding and they're colicking like all that at the same time. That that's what wakes me up at three in the morning. So yep. Tough being me. <laughs> oh my God. Je- read Jesse's. Jesse has two horses, but she doesn't like riding one of them because he's so well trained that it's boring. <laughs> Jesse, something I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> it's so boring, right? I will take him, Jesse. Okay, I don't have a horse right now. I will take him off your hands. <laughs> it's true. It's nice to have a horse for people to ride, but like, oh my god, he's so boring. It's, it's like so perfect. I get it. Um, Rhonda says her horse has a bit of a sore shoulder now, so now I have to pick from all my coaches' fancy horses to ride in my lesson. Oh no! <laughs> Did you kick your horse in the shoulder, Rhonda? <laughs> oh this uh, one from kayla is fantastic i saw the picture this is great Read um kayla. she says <laughs> my new fancy horse just arrived and i have literally no tacker blankets that will fit him he is huge is he like 18 hands kayla because she posted a picture and she's my height and this horse is twice as big as she is oh my god I mean, he's a giant and like they just imported him from I Lord knows where. And uh he's so amazing looking, but he is like nineteen hands tall. It's like he's oh. per pertron, but warm bloody looking. Man. And finally Susan says, I finally oh, this has been an ongoing thing with her too. Finally got drainage work done on my muddy area between my stalls and my covered arena. Uh, and they scraped and leveled the area, but then they put pea gravel down and it makes a crunching noise when I walk and the horses don't like it. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my God. See, I know you, that crunch she's talking about. I actually like that sound, though. It's better than. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> better than the mud. Oh, yeah. my God. You guys are ridiculous. Okay, now it is time uh, to to do. I, I hope you sit and listen to this, uh, Sally, because I really uh, it was really cool to be a part of it. And this is Lafitte Pinkai Jr. on the couch of Monty Roberts in his home in California. And just know that as I'm speaking ever so professionally, my inner nine-year-old girl is going, oh, I can't believe it. Okay. <clears throat> so composing myself as a professional journalist, here's Lafitte Pinkai Jr. Well, I am uh, honored and privileged to be sitting with Two of my heroes right now, Monty Roberts and Lafitte Pinkai Jr., who is one of, if not the greatest jockey of all time. And Lafitte, this is a, a show that we do called Retired Racehorse Radio. And we, we celebrate and talk about the thoroughbred breed. And, and I, I've already introduced you, but you know, you started riding in in your native country of Panama in 1966. You know, a lot of us see what happens in the tracks here in America. What is racing in Panama like? If you can remember back that far. Well, in, in the racing in Panama when I was there, actually, I started in 1964. Oh. And it was a good racing. Of course, we didn't have the quality of horses that we had over here. But the track was good. Jockeys that I rode over there at the time, they were pretty good jockeys. Now, rumor has it that your mama was not very excited about you becoming a jockey like your daddy was. No, no. Well, my dad, I didn't grow up with my dad. He was in another country. But my mom, maybe because the experience that she had with him in accidents and things like that, she didn't want me to be a jockey. So I had to really 
fire to or convince her to finally to let me go to the track. And yeah. so day one, she just, did she just drop you off there? Cause you weren't old enough to drive probably. No, I was only 15, but I found a way to, to transport myself to the track. She will give me 50 cents to, for the bus. But at some time I will get it right. I will go to a place where the workers, they had a, a, a lift to go to the track and I will take, I will go with them. They will let me drive with them. So. It was a little bus, especially for them. So they would, they would have me sit there. So that way I would save myself maybe a nickel or, <laughs> or, or, or two nickels. And at least I had to, I had money to, to buy me some cookies or something, mm-hmm. something to eat at the truck, you know? I, they were dif- difficult times. But finally, you know, I start going and start learning. Somebody start giving, giving me horses to go to the truck and learn. It took me about, actually, it took me about six months to learn, how, to learn how to ride a horse. How long had you been riding before you rode your first winter? I was at the track for for two years. But when I started to take horses to the track, it took me about six months for me to learn how to gallop. And, and then at the end, they start giving you horses with saddle. And then you start learning how to ride the horse with saddle and then breeze the, them, you know, going fast. And then at the end, you start breaking from the gate. And uh, you have a, a t-shirt there that tell you what you're doing wrong, what you're doing right, whatever. And then he is the last one to sign your license for you to start riding. Wow. Yeah. And how old were you when you got that final piece I was, of paper? I, I, was, I was 17. Wow. When he finally, I was driving me crazy because I was taking the source to the gates almost every day. And then finally he said, I'm going to give you your license or you're going to kill the source. <laughs> <laughs> now, so. when you were in Panama, you talked about potentially having a career in baseball and they told you <clears throat> you were too small for baseball. And then you go to be a jockey and they say, you're too big. You're too big. You will not be too big. And another trainer told me, I say, if you, if you start riding, if you get your license, you probably ride maybe three or four years and that's going to be it for you because you're going to be too big. And that became a, 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 a like a challenge for me because I said, no, I'm going to ride. I don't care what anybody say. I'm going to ride. And I was only 15 years old and I started to die, dieting right away. I started watching what I ate. I was eating very, very little. And I think it was good because I think I got my body used to not to eat that much food, you know. Mm-hmm. But through the years that I did so many diets and I tried so many things, and you know, at the end I learned how to eat, you know, which is I eat very healthy and I still do. So what was the difference? Was there a point in your life where you were like, I've got to be healthier? Yes. Yes, because I wasn't doing any, any good. It wasn't that I wasn't, that I wasn't he- healthy. It was that I was very weak. And, you know, I was older. And when you, you can do, you can do as, I was about around 50, around 50 when I started eating better. You cannot, you cannot do at 50 what you could do when you were young, even in, in when I was truth? young. And if, even if you don't eat well, you can still perform and perform kind of well. But when you get older, it's just very hard. Unless you're Monty Roberts over here, who's just still getting it done yeah. in his 80s. <laughs> yeah. Sitting here with Lafitte, I mean, we've been friends now more than 50 years. And uh, it doesn't surprise me that he undersells himself. <laughs> you know, I came here and I found good riders and I realized that I couldn't ride so well. Come on. I mean, he came here and he started winning races right away. And the instant that I saw him, uh, he was already on his way to being a champion rider. No question about it. And it's a good school down there. They do a good job teaching the kids. Those kids don't have much of a chance because they don't have a very good education. So they sign any contract that they tell them to sign and they want to go and they want to do well. And suddenly 
I think in Lafitte's case, he was paying about 70 or 80 percent of what he got to somebody else for some contract or other. And a man named Mr. Hooper helped yeah, him. Yeah, Mr. Hooper, yeah. He, he yeah. helped him by getting some attorneys and they got those contracts set aside. And uh, Lafitte and I have been talking about helping those kids that are coming out of that school now to to be treated fairly and to do a good job. Because like Lafitte says, the, the, you can go down there and find superstar riders. You can't believe how much better the whole group is than any other group in the world. Yes. Because the American kids don't want to work that much and they're too big anyway. And uh, the European kids the same way, and you can't find it in Canada. You in Panama is a special place, um, and the native people there are not big people. I mean, Lafitte is normal sized person down there, and that's why he. You're a to, giant Lafitte. <laughs> he had to work on his on his diet and stuff, which is which is really good. But these kids, they mean well. They're, they're gentle kids. They shake your hand. They look you in the eye. They're honest kids. Most of them, you know. And, um, we, we want to help them. I want to help them. And I, I have a guy that I hope will help them to, uh, learn English mm -hmm. because they need to do that because English is global now. And they need to learn English and they need to learn uh, that they can get a good representative to get the right contracts and they should be earning at least 70% of what they get with 30% going to the proper kinds of agents and stuff that help them. Mm -hmm. But when you're getting 30% and everybody else is getting 70%, that's a bad deal for them. And so, yeah, here I go again trying to help the next generation mm -hmm. uh, see the good things in the horse industry and not the bad things. Well, I would say that even 30% of $230 million in winnings would be a nice number. Oh, but but yeah. wait a minute, the jockey didn't get 230 <laughs> No, 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 I, that's what I'm saying. You get at least, you know, you get a percentage of that. And so, yeah. again, career earnings of over $230 million uh, is what Lafitte was able to achieve. And I'm looking at your beautiful Breeders' Cup World Series type ring that you have on, yeah. and it's just incredibly impressive. Now, what I wanted to do was to mention some horses' names to you and get your first response. And uh, the first horse that I'll use belongs to a Mr. Monty Roberts, and his name was Enact. Well, Enact was a, a son by of pretense, a really a top horse that I used to see. I used to see Ron Shoemaker used to ride him. So Anak was by him. Uh, I can't remember how many times I rode him, but uh, I ended up winning the San Anita, San Anita Derby with him. Mm -hmm. And uh, he didn't run in the Kentucky Derby. I don't know why. That Monty but, Roberts, uh, he's, you know, he wouldn't let you do it. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> no it no, was no, his throat. He, yeah. So, yeah, but I, I got to ride him in another race and he finished second. And then I got taken off of him because the <laughs> guy that he was the agent for the syndicate, he told me that uh, they vote for change riders. And I don't know why, because the horse ran good. And uh, I just didn't think he had any excuse. He just finished second. He just got beat in that race. So they took me off and put somebody else on him. Uh, it was in Hollywood Park. It was a mile race. And I told, told my agent, get me, get me any other horse in the race because I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to beat that horse. <laughs> so he put me on a horse that came from up north and I figured the horse had speed. But when, when the shark came up, I saw he had no speed. He came from way, Aww. way back, you know, and he had no chance. <laughs> well, you know what happened, huh? right? No. I ended up beating an up by a nose. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. And so uh, he he beat my horse that I put him on, and this agent took him off. And, uh, oh, I was so angry because <laughs> I idolized this man, and I wanted him on the horse. The horse went wrong after that race of his throat. 
And that's why he didn't go to the Derby, but he would have been one of the favorites in the Derby, I suppose, if he'd have stayed sound mm-hmm. of his throat. And then he, he went to stud uh, in New York, and he's one of the first New York breeders uh, in the stallion ranks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was in 1976. And uh, 1976 is like 40-some years ago. Yeah. Well, we were already friends with, with three champions that he yeah. rode for me before wow. that. Now, speaking of the 70s, let's talk of a horse that you rode, uh, y'all might have heard of, named Affirmed. Yes. Well, definitely Affirmed was the best horse I ever rode. Really? Yes. It was a, just uh, a really, really a pleasure horse to ride. You know, I could do anything that I wanted with him. Either go to the lead and or taking him back, uh, and he always smart, very very smart. And every time in a race, in any other race, he always broke in front. And from then on, you decide what to do. I'm going to the lead, or I take him back. And uh, he just, I, I the only time that I got beat with him was because I got disqualified. Uh, yeah. But other than that, he won every every time. But everybody said Alidar. Yeah. Alidar. Yeah, Alidar. Alidar. Yeah. He has yeah. to be the best. Yeah. Boom. Boom. But, boom. Yeah. He, yeah, he I, beat Alidar. Yes. All right. How about a horse named Swale? Swale, Swale gave me my first Kentucky Derby and my only one. And uh, I finished second so many times the Kentucky Derby before him that I... I thought that I never get to ride a Kentucky Derby winner. And finally, um, I was very lucky to get on him because, uh, the jockey had two mounts. The other horse was Devil's Back, which he was at the time was supposed to be a freak. And, uh, he decided he had, he had a choice, either Swell or Devil's Back. And he went for Devil's Back. So Swell Bad came call. up open. <laughs> he came up open and the trainer called my agent. Say if I wanted to ride him in the Florida Derby. And then I ended up going to the Florida Derby and riding and win. So, uh, at the time he's, of course, uh, had a chance to win the Kentucky Derby. So he rowing this, uh, uh, on a prep race for the Kentucky Derby. And that was in Kingland and he got beat. I think he finished second, but the, the winner won by many lengths. For some reason that I still don't know why he didn't run a, that good of a race. So my agent wanted to move to another horse. He had a horse in California that I've been riding, a good horse too. And he wanted to change mount. He wanted, he wanted to ride the other horse. And he asked me that I, if it was okay, thank God he asked me because <laughs> I wouldn't know, you know. And I said, no, let's stay on swell. And Swell gave me my first and only Kentucky Derby winner, which I'm so glad, you know, that I made the right decision. Why is the Kentucky Derby the race for jockeys to yeah. win? Well, I think the Kentucky Derby is a race that you you hear about it since you're a little kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I didn't even think I was going to be a jockey or anything, I, I remember uh, seeing poster of horses, uh, that were going to ruin the Kentucky Derby. I remember seeing a post, a poster of Lucky Devonair, horses like that with Shoemaker that won the Kentucky Derby or they were going to ruin the Kentucky Derby. And it's a big deal about it. You know, when they run that race, it's all over the world. So, uh, of course, when you become a jockey, that's what the race that you want to win. Right. You know what I mean? I, I didn't even think I was going to come to this country. You know, I was just, my dream was just make enough money to help my family, to help my mother that she was working so hard. And I, I happened to start winning races and being the leading rider in Panama and get lucky to get a contract to come to this country and ride here. Couple more. Let's go to the horse, John Henry. Young Henry was a, a really a good horse to ride to. Uh, he could run on the dirt, he could run on the grass, and I um, I won a lot of good races with him. And he won the San Diego Handicap, one of the best races in, in in California. And he won a lot of tour races with him, big races. He ran in the British Cup, he finished third, but he, the track came up muddy. 
And it wasn't that he couldn't handle it. It's just that he, he stepped in too many holes, you know, and he couldn't, he couldn't really reach out. He would reach out for a little bit and then he, he stumbled again, you know, and, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe he didn't like it, you know, but he still run a good race. He finished third. Mm -hmm. How about the horse named Sham? Sham, Sham was an unbelievable horse. Sham was probably, probably, Better horse than a firm. The problem is I could not say that because Cham only rowing the triple crown mm. and he won the San Anita Derby. A firm run on everything. Mm. He run on everything, carry a lot of weight, equal the track record. The uh, track record at Hollywood Park was one fifth of the world record at Hollywood Park going a mile and one quarter, 158 and two, something like that. And Cham only rode those horses, but the day that Sham finished second to Secretaria, I don't think there's been two horses in history to run that fast in the Kentucky Derby. And uh, they both broke the track record and no other horse have done that. So he's, he was a very special horse. So did you see the Hollywood movie that they made about Sham and Secretariat? Yes. Definitely. What did you think? I thought it was a very good movie. There was something that they added that uh, they were not true, but I was okay with it. Okay. <laughs> it's Disney, you know, there's yeah. got to be. So I ta I got to talk to Miss Chenery about that movie, and she said, you know, the things that they added is, I would never have pet that horse and kissed him on the nose. He'd have bit my face off. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I got to ask, uh, what are some of your favorite tracks to ride at? Well, I love, I love, I, I tell you, I, I love the track at San, at San Ira, Hollywood Park. I, I love Belmont Park. I love Sarah. You know, I, I like them all, really. I really enjoy riding in all those tracks, you know. I love going to New York and compete with the best jockeys over there. Same thing in California. I quit going to New York because... I was having a lot of weight problem. The scale of weight was lower than here. Oh. And I, I was suffering a lot over there, you know, because the trainers over there want me to do 14 and, and 15 and I was doing 17 and it was, it was hard for me to get down to 14 and 15, you know. So I was running at 17 and, and I had to really kill myself to do the 17, mm -hmm. you know. Now, you said the best horse you ever rode was Affirmed. Who was the most difficult horse you ever rode? Because heard, I've heard stories about John Henry. Yeah, well, John Henry, he was a, a tough horse in the stall. Uh, he was, yeah, you can come near him. He was kind of goofy. But <laughs> on the track, he was, he, was a, he was a pet. You know, he was a really nice horse. He did everything right. He, going to the post parade and, and in the race. He was just really nice. Yeah. But I rode some crazy horses, you know. <laughs> I rode a lot of crazy horses. I, 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 I rode a lot of horses that bolted. They don't want to go between horses. They very. Most of which he very, doesn't want to remember the name of. Right? Yeah. I know. I noticed yeah. he went, kind of went well, blank when yeah. I asked that. Well, most of the, most of the horses, most of the gray horses or fillies that I rode, that's why they were great because they were good. They were good. They were, they were, some of them they got a little thing, but, but they were good. You know, they, well, I didn't have that much, that much trouble with them. Now, uh, finally, um, I wanted to ask you about maximum security. I think you and I both put some money on him this year for the Kentucky Derby. Well, it, it was too bad he got, he got disqualified, but. Uh, in my opinion, I think these two are did the right thing because uh, he came way out. And in my opinion, it wasn't, it wasn't the jockey's fault, it was the horse's fault because he must have saw some, something at the track or he maybe the noise from the grindstone, he made him go out. But I, I uh, was happy after the race because I bet on him <laughs> and the jockey was from my school in Panama. So, well, it's not my school, but it's got my name. But uh, I was very happy after the race, you know, that he won and everything, and I made some money. But uh, the I think the steward did the right thing, you know, things that happen in, in race in racing sometime, and 
It was very unfortunately that that happened to that kid and the horse and the owner and everybody, you know, but uh, I think the steward did the right thing. Before I let you go, tell everybody the name of your book. If y'all like these stories, you will love this book. Well, I, I, I wrote a book called Anatomy of a Winner. I mean, actually, I didn't write it. I had somebody help me to do that. Mm-hmm. I just told my story and she wrote it. And to know a very good book. And say a lot of things about me that I didn't think I was ever going to talk about it. Really? And it was, a, but I, th- I thought it was a good, for me, it was a, like a therapy because I said things that I never thought that I would say. And I ended up opening myself for the book. Yeah. Was the man who listens to horses that same way? Did you no, feel therapy? It was really some cleansing going on there. And it wasn't for the Queen of England. Uh, Queen Elizabeth II was the one that took my manuscript back and said, you know, you're not telling the whole story because nobody could do what you've done without some inner change in your life. I want to know the whole story. We want the drama. And I sat right in this room and told my family that, do I tell, do I unload on my father? Do mm-hmm. I tell the story the way it really was? Mm-hmm. And they said, no. My family said, no, it'll cause you too much trouble. But I walked around this farm and I decided if I'm going to do this book, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell the truth. And I just let it run. Mm-hmm. I just opened up um, and 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 made a 500,000 word uh, manuscript, which was cut down to about uh, 100 uh, or 80,000 words or something like that, whatever they would accept. I don't know, but uh, it sold six and a half million copies. And I think it sold because I tried to be fair and honest yeah. and open up and really let them know who I was. But we're sitting here with an icon. Yes. And remember this number, 9,530 wins. Go find me somebody that's done that and I'll show you an unbelievable human being. And he's still here, he's healthy, and I think he has a lot to offer the next generation. And it has just been an honor and a pleasure to sit here with both of you. Thank you so much for spending time with me. And Anatomy of a Winner, The Man Who Listens to Horses, you guys definitely go out and get those books if you haven't already. Well, Sally, thank you so much for coming on and being my co-host today. I hope everything is going well at Hilo Fit and they'll treat you good. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, me and my my broken toenail will uh, have a great oh, rest of our day. I'm so you told me not to bring happy. it up again, but I had to bring it up again. <laughs> I don't Jimmy. feel like you're taking it seriously enough. <laughs> <laughs> I just am really sad that they messed up your new pedicure while you were dressed in something cute, walking up the stairs with oh your God. takeout food. First world problems, right? Oh, God. They're just compiling on each other. Anyway, totally. well, thank you for being a part of it. You guys, Glenn thank and you. Jen are in England, so we're going to be hearing all sorts of disastrous things happen. Jimmy, right? He's going to break something. What is the over-under on him breaking a bone on <laughs> you know what i don't care because it's <laughs> not my responsibility on this trip i've already dealt with his broken bones on another trip i don't care <laughs> okay i am here wager. first <laughs> there's an 80 percent eight to one chance that he is going to hurt something on this trip just so you know just that's my that's my guess and All poor right. jen she has to deal with it so uh you're gonna take uh 90 or you're gonna go 70 or less you know I think I'm going to play the nice cop card here and go like 60%. <laughs> I'm, I have 40% belief in you, Glenn. <laughs> All right, everybody. If you want to find the links to today's guests, go to horsesinthemorning.com. We're on Facebook. HRN is on Twitter. And uh, you can find us at Horse Radio, obviously. Sally, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Jemmy, thanks for producing. And thanks to our guests. And everybody, spay, neuter, and gelt. 